Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every $20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at Armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. Thank you for listening to the Late Breaking F1 podcast. Make sure to look out for new episodes every Thursday and Grand Prix Sundays. Hello and a very warm welcome to the Late Breaking Formula One podcast. My name's Ben Hocking. Joining me this evening, surprisingly, are Samuel Sage and Harry Eid for a change. I mean, I, you couldn't have seen that one coming. Guys, how are you doing this week? A week where F1 is not a thing. Huh? You mean we haven't got a week with racing in it? That's not a thing. That hasn't happened before. We we definitely have it every week. So this is a real disappointment. Uh, uh, it's like a cold harsh reality of what the real world is like what covid lockdown was like no f1 at the weekend yeah. not a fan my family also get to see me which i'm not sure who it's worse off for <laughs> i don't know about that it's a close one yeah i i get what you mean it we've, we've got to wednesday uh recording on a wednesday today and i how do we do this for like eight months i, I it baffles me it doesn't seem again possible. great question anyway after this week is over, we will be back, of course, with three more race weekends. Absolutely love it. But in the meantime, we're going to get down and talk about a few things. We're going to be looking at Lando Norris and George Russell, two drivers that came into F1 at the same time. We'll be discussing which one we would rather take for our team. We don't actually have a team. It's all hypothetical, although that is a great idea for the future. We're also <laughs> going to be talking about some of the comments made by the likes of Mario Andretti, which uh, Lewis Hamilton has fought back on, uh, comments about racism. and we'll, we'll be looking into those in a little bit. And after Kevin Magnussen and Roman Grosjean were penalised from the Hungarian Grand Prix uh, due to the formation, lap, we'll be looking whether the rules should change regarding what can be and can't be said on that formation lap. And a game of F1 and higher and lower, just to see which of you two morons can come out on top. But first, Lando Norris, George Russell. Like I said, they came into F1 at the same time. Lando Norris, a few more opportunities in that McLaren. But George Russell, it's fairly evident how much talent he's got as well. Sam, I'll kick off with you on this one. If you had to take one, which one would it be? This is a really tough decision. I actually think this decision is harder than the video we did uh, last season, which was between Max Verstappen and Charles Leclerc. You know, who's going to be the better driver over history? I generally think these two could be two of the greatest F1 drivers we've had. And I do think that they are so equally matched. It's ridiculous. If you could ask me, maybe 18 races into last season, who I would have taken, I probably would have said George Russell. Lando was having a tough season. Reliability had struck one too many times. Carlos Sainz was clearly the lead driver of the team. Um, but it's amazing how three races can just turn an opinion like that. George Russell is dragging that Williams team kind of out of bed, into the shower and getting ready for the rest of the day. He is making something of that terrible, terrible car. And good on him. It's showcasing his skill. You know, he's theoretically beaten uh, Kubica, despite that one point. Ridiculous. And he's currently... No, I know. But, you know, come on. Um, And... Oh, I'm not focused, everyone. There we go. I know, everyone. Um, And, of course, he's absolutely destroying Nicholas Latifi. Um, 
there's kind of no real competition there. It's very much a first and second driver at Williams. So George Russell showing real potential for the future. Lando in this you know, in this new season, last lap Lando is sitting, what, fourth in the Constructors' Championship, I think, maybe third. Um, the guy single-handedly is propping up McLaren in fourth place in the Constructors. Is showing fantastic finesse when it comes to overtaking, when it comes to managing tyres. He's extracting raw pace from a car that realistically... Is it still a midfield runner? Yes, it's a strong midfield runner, but it's, I wouldn't say as good as the racing point. Still not as good as the Red Bull, of course. The Mercedes is long gone. And I'm pretty certain it's battling with the Renault itself. Of course, they have the same engine manufacturer. Um, I honestly couldn't tell you up to this very point who I take. I think whoever you get, gets a, a big tick in the box. I'm going to go Lando Norris. And I think that's because... His junior career speaks volumes. Despite he didn't win the F2 Championship, George Russell did. Lando Norris's junior career has been extravagantly fantastic. Beyond recognition how good his junior career was. And he's now really starting to apply his trade in Formula One. You know, he's he's beating Carlos Sainz hands down. I think despite the fact that he got a little bit unlucky with how pit stops rang in Hungary, he was still incredibly quick. He showed that off in qualifying as well. I'm sure he'll come back stronger in Silverstone, part one and part two. I'm excited what both of them could do. I think they're going to both end up in a Mercedes within the next four to five years. And they could be duking out for world championships if Mercedes are still in the sport. For me, just though, absolutely just, for like half a percent, Lando Norris. I mean, Russell versus Norris in a car that's capable of winning races or even titles. I mean, that is something I'm subscribed for. Can't wait. Um, And just to say as well, I can't wait. For 2035, when George Russell has just won his eighth world championship and the doubters come back and say, I don't think he's the greatest of all time. Remember, he did lose 1-0 to Robert Kubitz in 2019. (laughs) Can't wait for that to happen. Anyway, Harry, what's your thoughts on this one? Who would you take? Um, It's Like you said, if I had the choice, I'd have both of them in the same team because I think that would be an absolutely mighty lineup. Um. Yeah, it's a, it's a tricky one to to compare, isn't it? Because, uh, like we said, Russell has been in a car that doesn't. It's not necessarily been worthy of his talents, and he is, you know, this year the car is sort of semi competitive now, um, <coughs> in terms of the back of the grid competitive, but it's still kind of there. And George is now wrestling it through qualifying, um, and I have no doubt had he been in the McLaren with Lando for the past year and a half that he would have. Um, He'd have excelled like uh, just as Lando has. Um, I think for me at the moment, I might just take Lando. But again, I, I feel like I'm being unfair because we've we've just seen more of Lando racing uh, because he's had the ability. Uh, the cars got, uh, got given him the ability to race other cars, whereas the Williams hasn't really given George that ability. Um, you know, any any the one time he's really had it was in was in Austria a couple of weekends ago and he did fall off the track. But to be fair to him, he's never really had that chance in an F1 car yet. So, um, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll give it to Lando. But honestly, both, both of them are such promising talents. And what a, what a, we're very spoiled for, for choice here for those, uh, you know, for us watching because it's not often you get two exceptional, exceptional drivers come up at the same time. They've come through the junior formula at the same time. They've both come into Formula One at the same time. And they're both they're both great, and they're I've both future world champs in in my opinion. So I'm gonna go with Norris for now, but I think they're so close, and I think Russell could also end up and you know being the better driver one day. He just needs a better car. 
But for now, Lando, last lap Lando for me. Yeah, I, I echo both of your points on Lando Norris and George Russell. You would not complain if you had to take one or the other and you didn't have the choice. They are both quality drivers and they're going to be in F1 for a long, long time. And I think that they both have the potential to win championships, plural. Um, you know, They are really great drivers and their, their junior record speaks volumes. And I'll get onto that in a bit. Just to say as well that you, your point about both drivers coming up at the same time, and we're very lucky in that respect to be able to witness it. I think uh, I've mentioned this quite a few times before. I think in the in the 21st century, we've had three great influxes of Formula One talent. You've got the kind of 2002-2003 era um, when Raikkonen and Alonso and, and, and Massa and Weber, they all came through. I think the next influx came in sort of 2006-2007. Vettel, Rosberg, Kubica, Hamilton. And I think the next great influx of talent has been recently. Because you've got these two drivers, you've also got Charles Leclerc. In terms of age, you can also include Max Verstappen. So I really think that you've got you've got a great young core of drivers here who could very well dominate the sport for the next 15 years. I mean, it is so close. It is so close. And just looking at their junior records, you allude to Lano Norris's great junior record, Sam. And, you know, I've just looking at what he was able to achieve, he, he won the MSA Formula Championship, first time of asking, 2015. He won Euro Cup, Formula Renault, Formula Renault NEC, Toyota Racing Series, all in the same year, all of the first time of asking. European Championship in Formula 3, he won that first time of asking. Second place in Formula 2, his only attempt at the series. It's really brilliant. And again, I, I welcome people to correct me if they can find something else, but I do not know of another driver that has had more race wins prior to entering Formula One than Lando Norris. So really an exceptional junior career for him. But George Russell, you know, there aren't many people who can hold a candle to Lando Norris's junior record. George Russell's one of them because he won, he was championship winning all the way through as well. British Formula Four champion, first time of asking. GP3 champion, first time of asking. Formula Two champion against Lando Norris first time of asking so they're they both have stellar junior careers and you can argue that you need to look towards the junior career just because of the lack of competitiveness George Russell has encountered in his Formula One career so far quite frankly it isn't fair to compare George Russell in that Williams to Lando Norris in that McLaren even if that Williams is slightly better in 2020 it's still not good enough to make much of a comparison and whilst Lando Norris can be compared against his teammate and I think he did a reasonable job in 2019 against Sainz. George Russell could only be compared to Robert Kubica last season. Uh, and this season, he might well only be able to be compared against Nicholas Latifi, potentially the Alphas and the Hash drivers as well. But that remains to be seen. Um, I think they both have reasons why you'd go for them rather than the other. With George Russell's, it's fairly straightforward. They were both in Formula 2 at the same time and George Russell won. And he won by about 70 points, which is a fairly impressive margin. So that's definitely the reason you'd go for George Russell. With Lando Norris, you have to consider he does have more Formula 1 experience. Of course, they've had the same number of races, but I'm talking experience here. Um, George Russell is essentially driving a Formula 2 car, or at least he was in 2019, against (laughs) everyone else in Formula 1. Lando Norris was getting stuck in in midfield battles, so... Uh, in terms of experience and also in terms of youth as well. Lando Norris is a couple of years younger than George Russell. So, you know, 
if you think back to the Formula Two point there, George Russell won it as a 20 year old. Lando Norris was 18 at the time. And I know two years isn't all that much if you were to say, I don't know, a 34 year old won a championship against a 32 year old. You wouldn't say, oh, that's because of experience. But that 20, that 20 to 18 range for someone like that, that, that can count for a lot. So, you know, I think he has that reason going for him. Don't think you're going to go wrong whichever way you go here. Just because, and the deciding factor for me is the F2 season. So I'm going to go with George Russell. But, you know, Lando Norris, that's fair. I can't argue against you choosing Lando Norris either. Moving on to some, uh, some comments that have been made by some senior figures in motorsports um of course the black lives matter movement has um has been very prominent in the first part of this season um it's fair to say that the uh the hungarian version um wasn't quite as uh smooth as it was in austria it seemed very rushed just before the national anthem um and off the back of that there have been a few comments made by mario andretti who has said that uh, Lewis Hamilton is currently creating a problem that doesn't exist and the whole point of this is pretentious and some other comments from the likes of Sir Jackie Stewart saying there is no resistance for change if someone is clever and good at what they do they will be accepted in Formula One um, Sam just t- take us away on this one what do you make of these comments um, you know considering the effort that Lewis Hamilton is putting in right now firstly let's talk about what happens in Hungary because how rushed and embarrassing do you want something to be? F1 have claimed multiple times that they stand with Lewis Hamilton, with people of a mi- from a minority background, people who have suffered racial bias, and they are going to commit to change. They're going to commit to making this better. F1 have openly said we will do what it takes to make it better. And drivers are late, half the drivers are kneeling, half the drivers aren't kneeling. Giovinazzi is still running through when the national anthem's going on. It's an absolute farce. It's a ridiculous show. And I think about six drivers managing ill for all of that eight seconds before the National Anthem actually started playing. So that was embarrassing. Terribly wrong. From a multi-billion pound corporation, you expect a little better than that. So I'm hoping that they do it justice a bit more when they come to Silverstone. In terms of the comics made from the likes of Jackie Stewart, Jean Todd's made comments, Andretti, obviously, as you just said, made comments there. The fact that you're saying there is not an issue is... Hilarious. It's like saying that women have just an easy ride into Formula One as men do. It's like saying that men definitely get as much sponsorship opportunities as women do. Well, we all know that's a load of rubbish. Women don't get any as much of the attention. They don't get as much sponsorship. They don't get as much help from an early age. And it's the same with people of a minority background, people who are people of color, like Lewis Hamilton, someone who has had to come from literally nothing. That man came from nothing. He came from Stevenage in the UK, in a council house, and is now, theoretically, in many capacities, the most successful Formula 1 driver of all time. All he's got left now is race wings in a world championship, and he will be in every capacity. People of colour can achieve as much, if not a lot of the time, more than pretentious, old man, white people, who think they can run everything just by saying, oh, that's not an issue. I've, I've never experienced an issue. Of course you haven't. You've had everything handed to you on a plate. And... A lot of these people who are speaking up now saying there's no issue, if you're clever enough, you can walk into the sport, are downright wrong because there are fantastic women that want to work in motorsport. There are fantastic people of colour that want to work in motorsport and they literally can't get into the industry. 
And it's ridiculous. And Formula One's missing out on endless, endless talent because it refuses to open its eyes and help those people who come from a disadvantaged background. And thank God that Lewis Hamilton's doing something to stand up for it because I don't think anyone would otherwise. I don't think there's a single other person on that grid who would have spoken up and said something. And he has made a change already. It needs to be more. F1 need to back him and the supporters of F1 need to back him further. But thank God he said something as it is because it's been shockingly bad. Um, so yeah, let's hope that next weekend in Silverstone, we see a bit of a, a, a reprise of that going on and Hamilton can really extend that voice. I'm glad he's calling out previous world champions and race winners saying that it's disappointing, it's not good enough, and he's not shying away from it. This will be his legacy. Along with those titles, this will be the change that he makes and I'm bloody proud to see it happen. So late breaking, we're with him as always uh, and let's hope we can see more of it. Harry, what did you make of what happened in Hungary and also the comments that I've referenced there? Uh, for, for Formula One, which is you know a sport which prides itself on um, you know, split se- uh, split second decisions and you know the fast being the fastest sport in the world, and and it's managed to organise itself through a, one of the worst, perhaps the worst global pandemics to go racing again. But it was completely shambolic on Sunday. I don't know why. Why was there not more time left by the organisers to, to, you know, for for all the drivers to get to? They moved the national anthem thing to the pit lane anyway, which I don't get what that was for. Um, so obviously drivers were confused about getting there on time, getting there early to do, it, you know, to to take take the knee, etc. So yeah, I don't know what's going on there. That was just rubbish for F one, and just makes them look at like like amateurs. Um, yeah, and for for what seemed like such a positive start. Um, you know, to this campaign from Formula One in Austria, it just has rather fallen off the radar a bit, as Hamilton said. And you know, even at the second race, they showed about twenty seconds of it on the TV before they went away to some skydivers, which again, that was bad enough. And then this was even worse. They gave them about eight seconds to kneel down, and then they started playing the national anthem. So, yeah, like Sam says, I hope they sort it. Um, I hope they sort it out for for Silverstone. Um, and as for the comments, I. I, I struggle to understand what what the what the issue is with why why people have the issue with it with you know Hamilton in particular but any sports person or Formula One driver you know speaking up for for what they believe in like they're still human beings after all it doesn't matter if they they are a Formula One driver they're still a human and they still have opinions um, and they have the opportunity to, to you know to present it to a global a global uh, audience that not a lot of other people do. So making comments like that, saying there's not a problem, this is too much, blah, blah, blah. It's just, um, it baffles me. Don't get it. That We should all be united in this. Um, so, yeah, I don't understand it. And I, I hope that's, it won't be, but I hope it's the last sort of comments we see, especially from people that are, you know, regard, well regarded within the F1 and motorsport community. So, yeah. It's a shame because I thought we were, we were heading in the right direction for a bit, but it seems to have gone backwards again slightly. Yeah, hung- Hungary was an absolute shambles, I'm sorry to say. And it was rushed, to use your word. Yeah, it, it was absolutely rushed. And um, you've put it well, and I, Ted Kravitz put this very well as too on his, uh, on his notebook that um, for a sport that is so comfortable at making these decisions, you know, split second decisions late in the day, um, the, the fact that they couldn't organise this is, is really poor. And the the image that that is coming across from some drivers standing, some kneeling, 
um, you know, a, a real mixture. It isn't great to begin with. You know, you, you see some football games where 22 out of 22 players take the knee at the same time, a few seconds before the match. It's organised, it's efficient, and it sends out the right message. We're already at a disadvantage here that some drivers do not want to take the knee. And you can't force them to, but it's not a great image at the same time. And, um, you know, one of the key messages that has come out from this from the get go has been this can't be um, I don't want to use a fad, but this can't go away. The, The message needs to be reinforced and reinforced again, and it needs to be persistent. And it's not a good look that they gave it the appropriate time and the appropriate uh, attention in that first race. And then it was reduced dramatically in the second race. And now it comes to the third race and it just looks like something that they've realised, oh, we have to do this. Hang on, uh, we'll put 30 seconds in there. That'll do. It's not a good look. And um, hopefully they do organise it for Silverstone because this can't go away. For the comments made, I mean, of of those three that we've mentioned, Andretti, Stewart, and, and and Jean Tot, of those three, the only one I absolutely quote disagree with is Andretti, and I'll get onto what I mean with disagree in in a second. Because whilst I would say that the the comments made by Stewart and by Tot are definitely ignorant, I'd suggest that Andretti's are the only ones that are disrespectful. You know, create it, creating a problem that doesn't exist. What a thing to say. I mean, it's an easy sentence to say. I'd like to hear him debate it with someone who has dealt with the problem and deals with the problem on a daily basis. And for then him to turn around and say that it doesn't exist. You know, instinct tells me he wouldn't fare very well in that. And, um, you know, using the word pretentious is just it's plain disrespectful and my my opinion of Mario Andretti has dropped a lot after those comments so I was really disgusted at what he had to say regarding the other two you know Stuart's comments and Jean Tot's comments so I mean Stuart saying that there is no resistance for change if someone is clever and good at what they do they will be accepted in Formula One um Jean Tot sort of focusing on lives matter he didn't strictly say all lives matter but he kind of try to stress that it's um it's more than just just black people um which the the problem is here and i'm sure everyone has heard somebody say all lives matter over the last few months and um maybe some people have disowned family members as a result of it but um it's the problem is you can't if you attack these comments like we are doing now and calling them out rightfully as ignorant the natural response of those people who say these sorts of things are, am I wrong? Because strictly they're not wrong. And it's it's that getting that co- incorrect and ignorant, you know, it's you're not wrong by saying that all lives matter. Of course they do. But you're missing the bloody point completely. And what Stuart is saying as well, it's like, yes, I'm I have no doubt that every single one of the teams on the grid would say if they were given the opportunity of, you know, a, a white driver and a black driver and that they're both quality, I don't think that there would be a problem. I really don't. But that that's not the point. The point is they aren't getting these opportunities in the first place to prove themselves. You're accepted into Formula One if you prove you're good enough. Yes, you are right in saying that. The problem is there aren't enough minorities getting the opportunities in the first place. The, the problem starts way further down than Formula One. That's where it needs to be attacked. And 
mean, you can't convince me that out of the 775 drivers we've had in Formula One, that Lewis Hamilton is the only black driver who has been good enough to get there. This is an oppor- This is a problem that runs w- much wider than Formula One. This is a systemic issue, and something that needs—it's a societal issue. Something that needs to be sorted out outside of the sport as well as inside it. And yeah, I look at Lewis Hamilton. He's one of the best of all time, and he had to struggle like hell to make it. Like he made it because he is one of the best of all time. Think of the amount of good drivers or very good drivers that wouldn't have made it. It's literally because of Hamilton's immense talent that he just about got there. Um, yeah, I, <laughs> yeah, as you probably tell, I'm I'm fairly uh, fairly passionate about this. I, I was really taken aback by these comments, and um, particularly Andretti's. I just there's, there's no time for it. The work that Lewis Hamilton is doing is brilliant, and yeah, keep going, keep going in the face of all this ignorance. Good stuff. I'm glad we all agree on that one because I was ready on the call-out button. I'm sure. I'm sure. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Going to move on now to um, something that came out from the Hungarian Grand Prix. So Kevin Magnussen and Roman Grosjean, the two hash drivers, went for something of an alternate strategy. They came in after the formation lap to go for slick tyres. It was a strategy that worked out very well, particularly for Kevin Magnussen. He finished P9 on track. Both cars got penalties after the race. Magnussen just about held on to P10. Um, They were found to be in breach of Article 27.1 of the sporting regulations, which essentially says that on the formation lap, no communication can happen between teams and drivers that relates to performance or strategy. Uh, it's pretty much only safety exceptions that apply there. Um, and on that same point, actually, Danny Kvyat, of course, he did ask to go into the pits at the end of the formation lap. His team didn't respond. And as a result, they weren't penalised. Uh, Sam, do you believe that this is a rule that needs to change? It's tough, isn't it? Because Formula One we'd like to think after the discussion we just had, rewards uh, ingenuity, it rewards fast thinking, it rewards split decision-making uh, moments. You know, we've seen the amount of times where someone's called in at the last moment and it's a great change or, you know, people go out on, on a qualifying lap on the right tyre. They we saw it with Charles Leclerc in Brazil last year. You know, he went out on that soft tyre and uh, he set one of the qualifying laps of his, his career at that point just because he was on the right tyre and he chose to be on that tyre. So it's really difficult to make that pinpoint decision there. And I can I could be swayed both ways, if I'm totally honest. I love that Haas make a snapshot decision. They brought both, both cars in. Yes, they had to start all the way at the back of the grid. I don't think that's a problem. Why does it matter if they've got to come out of the pit lane after the pack's gone? They've lost their grid position. They've lost any chance of gaining places on the first corner like everyone else. So I kind of don't really have an issue with it, especially if multiple cars are going to do it. You've just put yourself in a, a bit of a traffic jam at the back of a pit lane. It might benefit you, as it did for Haas later on down the road. But for me, I think I think I enjoy the idea of having the ability for teams and drivers to make those quick, risky decisions and possibly be rewarding for it. And it works out for them. They got their first point, singular, of the season. They might not get a single other chance for that. And Haas have done it because of a clever bit of thinking there. So I'm for it. I am all right with having the idea of teams going, you know what? We need to change this. This isn't working. And that is why they get paid so much. That's the whole point of these people. Let them have the communication. I mean, it brings me on to another thing of kind of like 
should tyre blankets be allowed in the pit in, in, during the, during the race? You know, while you're qualifying, should your tyres be cold? Would that create more strategies? There's loads of these things that you could discuss that could change the whole face of a Grand Prix. But this one in particular, I 100% think you should be rewarded for fast thinking and clever strategy. And that's what they did. So good on them for trying it. The penalty was harsh, but not harsh enough to really stop them getting the reward that they deserved. Yeah, that's uh, that's a point. Magnussen did at least uh, stay on for one point rather than the two he got at the flag. Harry, what did you make of it? Do you, do you think that this is a rule that needs to change? Yeah, stupid rule. What, like... What, 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 who is winning out of this? I don't know because, as Sam said, we we love to see those like that in those sort of conditions, those last minute calls that you know can change the fortunes of a of a team like Haas, you know, that are struggling and they get some points out of it. So, yeah, I I I obviously understand why I think they're trying to you know make the start procedure more in the driver's hands, um, and but doesn't seem to be making much of a difference at the start at the moment. So. Yeah, I know it's a dumb rule, and it's one I didn't even know about until this weekend. And then there were sort of three instances of it. There's the two house drivers, Kafiat, where they wouldn't answer him, just ignoring poor Danny Daniel, and then also um, Hamilton. Uh, he said something on the way to the grid about his engine felt like it was stalling. They couldn't say anything to him then. I mean, find that like that's a bit more exciting. But for stuff like strat- last minute strategy calls, let them let them do it. I'd, it's another. Another dumb rule by the FIA there. So, um, yeah, get rid of it. Put it in the bin. Don't like it. Yeah, I mean, I'm completely with you, Harry. I think it's a stupid rule and I've got no idea why it exists. But, I mean, it's kind of ironic that we're speaking on the very same day, 13 years after it happened, that Marcus Winklehock at the European Grand Prix... (laughs) Uh, at the Nurburgring, he he did this. He he went onto onto the wet tires, uh, started from the pit lane as a result, and for about five glorious laps, we had a spiker leading a Grand Prix. Tell me, oh, you don't yeah. want that? I mean, I want it. I want it exactly. And without you know, if this rule was in place, I mean, you, you're going to get you know, you'll get what Kvyat did and not risk anything and stay and stay out. Imagine, imagine if Kvyat had come in and done that same strategy. I reckon he'd have been, he'd have been fighting for maybe P5, P6. You know, I mean, the Haas isn't very good and it's still held on to points. Um, yeah, I, I don't understand it. We saw like, we saw a few years back when the FIA kind of experimented with leaving the drivers alone and, uh, and leaving them to get on with it and not allowing teams to give them important information um, and I'm sure you'll remember that was very quickly ditched because it was stupid. Um, <laughs> and this is exactly the same thing. It's like, why should the teams and the drivers not communicate with one another that can create interesting strategic options? I just don't understand. I don't understand it whatsoever. Um, yeah, make it happen. It seems as if like they changed those rules back uh, back when to... Um, to let teams and drivers speak freely to one another again. And they've kind of forgot to do it on the formation lap. Um, yeah, it would have been great to see Kvyat come into the pits. It's a real shame that they got penalized. I understand that they had to penalize them because that's what the ruling says. But my problem is, is with the ruling rather than the decision itself. Um, you know, if you've got that rule in place, fair enough that you actually, you know, go ahead and, and enforce it, but I don't think it should, it should exist anyway. So yeah, get, get in the bin. <laughs> oh, I need a bin sound effect. Oh yeah, waste paper bins where it like rattles around the sides. That'd be yeah. cool. 
Exactly. I haven't, haven't had any sound effects in a while, Harry. I don't think. What would you, What would you like? Um, oh, surprise Avocados. Me. Avocados. Yes! I can't even remember uh, the last that. time that made the podcast. There you go. L- you lucky folks listening. You've, you've just heard another avocados. <laughs> and well, if you've got any jingles lined up at all, Harry, I guess now would be the time to use it because we are going to move on to the very best game in the entire world. It's F1 Higher and Lower. That's not even a theme song for this. It's so hard to sing along to. Bye. (laughs) All right, hold on. (laughs) All right. It's F1 higher. It's F1 lower. It's F1 higher. It's F1 lower. It's F1 higher. It's F1 lower. It's F1, yeah. What's that absolute rubbish about not being able to sing along to it? Good God. <laughs> beautiful. Oh, Absolutely beautiful. Um, F1, higher and lower. These, the concept of the game is very simple. We'll start with a certain number, um, and then I will give an event after that, and Harry and Sam will take it in turns. They'll have one go each to say whether the next number is higher or lower than the first amount. So if I was to say how many race wins did Marcus Winklehock uh, get in his career, it would be, lower. unfortunately, zero. <laughs> lower! And then if I was to say higher or lower, Michael Schumacher's race wins. It would be lower, lower. because he's on minus four. <laughs> but you get you get the idea. So who wants to go first? Uh, Harry can go first. I'll All go right. first. No pressure, Harry, but Sam seems okay. to win every time. Yeah, true. I'm You're on gonna... a bit of a streak. I'm sure it's going to end. Well, we'll have to see. All right. You, you get the first one. So the number we'll start with is Fernando Alonso's race number, which is... 14? Correct, 14. So, Blimey. higher or lower, the number of corners at Monaco. Ooh, oh, girl! Blimey. Uh, higher. Higher is correct. 19 Oof. corners at Monaco. Very nice. Oh, by the way, I think I have increased the difficulty somewhat. So, because you've been so good oh. at everything recently, and I'm a bit sick and tired of it, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> All right. From 19 corners at Monaco, Grand Prix victories by Jim Clark. Oh, blimey. Is, that, is it me again? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you, you're oh, I thought we went in terms. Oh, um. Uh, lower. It's not lower. It's higher. Oh, no. Second hurdle. Uh, twenty-five. Twenty-five victories by Jim Clark. Yeah, a lot of wins. Yeah, yeah. All right. So we'll give you an overall tally of one. We'll let you uh, do the rest of them anyway. Of course. Um, twenty-five Grand Prix wins by Clark. Danny Kvyat's age. Higher or lower? Is it me again? Yeah, just, yeah. You can play for fun now. Danny Kvyat's age, higher or lower than 25? Um, ooh, damn. Higher? Yeah, he's 26 years old. Um, oh, man, he is old. Fair old. <laughs> I'm only a year away. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Kvyat's 26. The number of US Grand Prix. Oh, 
Damn. What throughout history? Throughout history. Wow. Had that been lower? It's higher. It's forty-one. Wow, that's a lot more than I ever thought. Damn, son. All right, forty-one. Uh, higher or lower? The age that Alan Prost was when he won his last <laughs> world title. Oh, it's got to be lower. He wasn't. He wasn't older than forty-one. He yeah, wasn't. He was thirty-eight. Oh, he um, was old. And, and lastly, higher or lower than thirty-eight? <laughs> The number of Ferrari driver titles plus the number of Ferrari constructors titles. Oh, come off it. Um, I might only get one as well at this rate. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go for uh, lower. It is lower. They are 31 combined. Ooh. Um, so, I mean, anyone listening along who managed to get all of those, well done. Give yourself a cookie, but a score of one for you, Harry. Oh, the F1 cookies are back out. Oh, oh yes, God. it's been a while. They have been a while. Ben's been baking a lockdown. <laughs> all right, Sam, <laughs> you, you have a grand total yeah. of one to beat. Woo, okay. Okay. We're going to start with the number of corners at Spa. Can you guess how many that might be? Uh, what if I get it wrong? It really doesn't matter. Just It's a more of a throwaway thing if you want to have a guess. Uh, 20. It is exactly 20. Well done. <laughs> now, All right. the number of times the Hungarian Grand Prix has been held in a row. In a row? Oh, blimey. On a stick. Um, I'm going higher. It is higher. 34 years in a row. Yes, I'm equal to Harry. It's a good day, this. So to beat Harry, higher or lower than 34, the number of F1 victories by one Manuel Fangio. Ooh. Oh, he's obviously incredibly successful. Um, what was the number that I'm trying to beat? 34. Uh, I'm going to say they have a lot less Grand Prix. I'll take a punt and go lower. It is lower. Exactly. 10 lower. 24. That's All right. Pure guess, folks. 24. Yeah. Higher or lower? The age of Michael Schumacher when he won his first world title. Oh, blimey. Okay, he came back to Formula One in 2010. He was 40. So that means... I'm going to say he... Hi, I'm going to say he was older when he won his first title. Only just. He was 25, but it is right. Oh. Oh, All right, okay. 25, higher or lower. The number of corners at Marina Bay, Singapore. Uh, I suppose I haven't got the time to draw it out in my head. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm going to say lower by one. I reckon there's 24. Yeah, you're not far off. It, it's 23, so it is still lower. Ah. Couple more, and you can do you can do the whole whole shebang. 23, higher or lower? The number of drivers' championships won by McLaren drivers. 
Oh, I'm going to say that is lower. It is lower. It's 12, meaning if you do is this... Is it? Yeah, it's only 12. Bloody hell. Yeah. Um, final one, then. Higher or lower? The number of podiums that Roman Grosjean has. <laughs> <laughs> Why is the baguette gone? It's going to sink. It's going to be have a soggy bottom. I'm going to go lower. Well done. You've done it. Ten. Yes! Victory! Managed to do it. Nicely done. Whew. Well, folks, love to know if you can beat old Sammy boy. Let me know. Yeah, please let us know if you uh, if you did manage to get all of those like Sam and... I guess there's no better victory celebration than singing yourself out. So please, Harry, <laughs> do your thing. To be fair to Harry's round, the questions were much harder. Thank you. <laughs> I, I think I got two right across the whole thing for Harry's, and so he only got one wrong. But it's F1 higher. It's F1 lower. It's F1 higher. F1 the F1 It's F1, yeah. I, I swear every time I think they will get worse and somehow they get better. <laughs> Don't know how you do it's it. It's true. They're horrible and I hate doing it, but hey-ho. <laughs> anyway, I mean, a, a bit of normality will be restored next week, as much normality as we can get away with anyway, um, because we'll be back to previewing, of course, the first Ooh. of the two Grand Prix at Silverstone. We'll be previewing that race this time next week and, of course, reviewing the race on Sunday afternoon. Um, but until then, Sam, you can get us out of here. Well, folks, if you enjoyed the bit of chaos and all over the places of this podcast, do leave a, a, a review. It helps us to grow. Share the podcast. Download it. Join us at L Breaking on Twitter as well and get involved there. Make sure you give us a sub over there. It'd be great to hear from you and get involved in the conversations. But we will be back, as Ben said, for the preview of Silverstone. How exciting. Another triple hanger. In the meantime, I've been Samuel Sage. I've been Ben Hawking. And I've been Manfred Winklehock. <laughs> Keep breaking late. Podcast Network.